Luke chapter 19 is where I want to focus our time today. This account is shared in almost every single part of the gospel uh, of Luke in some degree. This event, I should say, this culmination of the days that were leading up to Christ's crucifixion. And so Luke gives us an account of what took place as Jesus is now firmly fixed on Jerusalem. He knows his mission. He's known his mission since he came into the world. But now he is in this final week of his life and he is preparing himself and preparing his followers for what is going to take place. And so we are going to read from Luke chapter 19. I'm going to ask if you're able to, one last time, would you stand with me in reverence for God's work on this very special day together? And let's read this account from Luke's gospel, chapter 19, beginning at verse 29. The Bible tells us there, when he, Jesus, drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he has told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Yes. Father, we thank you again for what you were willing to do for us, that you were willing to go and lay down your life, Lord, but that no man could keep that body in the grave, that you rose yourself up three days later victoriously, declaring that sin, death, and hell have been ever defeated. Lord, we praise you for that, and we thank you for the hope that that gives us in Christ. Again, Lord, add your blessing to this word today. May you increase as I decrease, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message today is this. The King is coming. The King is coming. And while I read to you from Luke's Gospel, my primary focus is actually going to be on an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah. I want to read that to you, and I want you to think about what Zechariah was prophesying and how it is fulfilled in these verses that we read, but also that there will be a future fulfillment in the sense that Christ, the King, will come again. In Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 11, we read these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, here it is, your king is coming to you. Yes. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Then he says this, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, 
I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. When we think about that prophecy that was given hundreds of years before it was actually fulfilled in Jesus Christ, I want to draw your attention to a few things. I want you to first think about the fact that this king who would leave glory, come to earth, take on flesh, and empty himself, Paul says in Philippians, to the form of a servant, that he would allow himself to go through the humiliation and the beatings and the mockings and the sufferings as a king for you and I. Unworthy sinners, yet the king would stoop down and shower us with grace and mercy and love. Riding in on this colt was a sign of humility. And perhaps other than the words of love and grace, there's no greater word to describe Jesus Christ than humble. He was the most humble of men that have ever lived. And in everything that he did, he sought to bring glory to the Father rather than himself. As we live out our faith, one of the things that will distinguish us so much from a world that clamors for fame and fortune and accolades is the fact that, yes, they will know us by our love, but they will also know us by our humility. As we seek to honor Jesus above ourselves, Corey Ten Boom, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with that name, she said this one time. The story uh, was asked, Corey Ten Boom was once asked if it were difficult for her to remain humble. Her reply was simple. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments onto the road, singing praises, do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey? that any of that was for him. She continued, if I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I'll give him all the praise and the honor. Jesus alone is the object of worship. And we see that taking place, but it's momentary. It's temporary for these folks that are gathered in the streets on that day. They lifted up their voices, they shouted in praise, but it was temporary. A week later, this same Jesus would be laying down his life. And many of these people are nowhere to be found. Many are now mocking and jeering at him. Many have turned to the side of the Pharisees rather than to worship Jesus. But as we read in Luke's gospel, we see some powerful things about Jesus and about the word of God. Number one, I want you to see that it was this Jesus that in fact did fulfill this prophecy. One of the most amazing things to me about the Word of God is the accuracy in which it predicts things that are yet to take place. If you ever have doubted the Word of God, then my challenge to you is to simply look at all of the prophecies that have been fulfilled already and ask yourself if it has been so accurate to depict and predict all of these things, especially the predictions about Jesus Christ and who he was and where he would be born and how he would die, and everything that is fulfilled in this one man, if it is that accurate about him, isn't there a pretty good chance that it will be accurate about things yet to come? That's right. The king is coming. Yes. He came 2,000 years ago on the back of a donkey. He will come again on the back of a white stallion, my friends. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords will be written on his thigh. 
And the word of God will come out of his mouth like a sword. And he will destroy his enemies in a moment. And with him will be a great heavenly host of armies. All those who are in Christ, who have already gone on to be with him, will return with him in this glorious conquering depiction of Christ coming back. What a day that will be. Many men on this day were not ready for what Jesus was going to do. Even the disciples to some degree. They had heard him talk. They had listened to him say he was going to lay down his life. He was going away. And they still didn't clearly understand. And many today have heard the same message and still don't understand. Many today have heard the message that Jesus is coming again. The King is coming. And they're not ready. They continue to play games. They continue to live life. And that's not just out there, my friends. That's in the church house. Many people today, our very Sunday school lesson was on the same thought. Being prepared. The Word of God has given you a warning. The Word of God has given you a prophecy. The Word of God has given you signs to be ready for as the day draws near. The King is coming. Yes. Are you part of his kingdom? The only way that you are a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again. And to be born again means to turn from your sin and to trust this Jesus with your soul. To leave your sin behind and follow him. Not counting the cost, but going wherever he leads. Are you ready? Jesus fulfilled that prophecy 2,000 years ago. And my friends, he will fulfill it again. He will come back. I want you to also notice in the text from Zechariah that this king was a king of peace. He says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, speaking of the northern and southern kingdoms there. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. He shall speak peace to the nations. Our world is so desperately seeking ways to have peace. They're trying to do it through political powers. They're trying to do it through political correctness. And the more that they try, the worse the things get. Because there is no earthly means to bring peace to a sinful, dying world. Except through the Prince of Peace. Just like we sang in that song. No more sickness, no pain, and no more parting over there. There is a kingdom, my friends, that is going to culminate in all of the glorious things with this king as its ruler, the prince of peace on the throne. And we will dwell in harmony and unity forever. Every tribe, nation, and tongue. It's so sad to look at our world today and see how much division there is. It's so sad to look at many churches and see how much division there is. It's sad that we are divided by Monetary systems were divided by race, were divided by sexuality, and certainly the Bible gives us certain things that we have to stand on when it comes to those matters. But in Christ, we are all one. In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. Your your riches or your or your lack thereof doesn't matter. Your skin color doesn't matter. There's only one race, the human race. Can we celebrate the fact that in Christ we are one, brothers and sisters together? We have a glorious opportunity to show the world who is desperately looking for peace what that looks like. We can give them a small glimpse of that on earth. 
when we are the church living together as the Bible calls us to do so. To be in unity, to be in one mind and one accord. How do we do that? We get ourselves out of the way and we focus on the king. We say the king is coming and I don't have time to worry about foolishness. I don't have time to worry about my preferences and my wants. I want people to know him. I want people to see him through me. And so I'm going to do everything I can to talk about him, to live for him, and to glorify him with my life. The king is coming, my friends. Are you living for him? Are you showing the world that there is peace in Christ? There is forgiveness in Christ? There is hope in Christ? Is that what your life speaks every day that you leave this place and go out into the lost and dying world? Not only that, not only is this king a king of peace, he is the king of the nations. We saw that in the second half of verse 10 that I read to you. He shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. He came as a little baby in a manger. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came unto his own and his own received him not. And the door was opened. The message that went out to the Jews is the same message that now goes out to the Gentiles. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. The gospel is a message for everyone. The gospel is a message for the entire world. And the king that is coming will be the king of all creation. Every knee shall bow before this king. You will bow willingly or you will bow in judgment, but you will bow to this King Jesus. My friends, are you ready for that? Have you received the good news that Jesus is able to save, that Jesus is able to forgive, that no matter who you are and what you've done and where you've been, that the grace of Jesus Christ is greater than your sin, that the sacrifice that he gave is able to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So many times we look at our lives and we feel so guilty and so ashamed about things that we have done and we dwell in the past and that's not where Jesus called us to live. Jesus never called you to live in the past. Jesus doesn't call you by who you were. He calls you by who you are in Christ. He calls you by a new name and a new identity. You were born again. When you come to Christ, that man died. That woman died. Now, sometimes the flesh gets the best of all of us, but that doesn't define who you are now in Jesus Christ. You have got to move beyond the things that you've done and the places that you used to dwell and walk with Jesus and live with Jesus in his kingdom today. The king is coming. We don't have time to dwell on earthly things. This world is not our home. Hold to it loosely, my friends. Focus on what matters. Focus on eternity. This king will rule the nations. And we have the opportunity to tell the world the message of Jesus Christ. And finally, I want you to see from Zechariah's prophecy the best news of all. And that is that this king can set prisoners free. This king can set prisoners free. He says, as for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free. From the water of his pit. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But. The wages of sin is death. 
That's a universal problem. There's not a person in this room, a person online, and a person in this world that isn't dealing with that problem. If we went around the room and named our problems, we'd have some that are similar and some that are different. But one that is universal is the fact that sin separates us from the Holy God. Right. No one can escape that issue. And nobody can fix that issue except Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift, you don't earn it, you don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do in your own power. The gift, when someone gives a gift, you either accept it or you reject it. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When he laid down his life, he was riding into Jerusalem on the back of a colt to fulfill a prophecy. And part of that prophecy was that he would lay down his life, that he would give himself between two thieves on a cross, that not a bone in his body would be broken. He would be buried in a borrowed tomb, and hell would rejoice. And the Pharisees would say, glad that's over, we got rid of him. And Rome thought that everything was over. Until Sunday morning, when the ladies showed up and the stone was rolled away. And he said, why seek ye the living among the dead? The king is coming. The king is alive. The king was not kept inside that tomb, my friends. He rode into Jerusalem and he came out of the tomb victorious. He ascended to heaven and he will return. The same Jesus, he told his disciples, the angel said, the same Jesus that you watched, going up into the clouds, will come again in like manner. Amen. He's coming back for his people. He's coming back for his church. And after a period of seven years of judgment, he will come back again Amen. to set things right, to put all his enemies under his feet. That is the king. And he'll set prisoners free. Yes. You say, well, how am I a prisoner today? I live in America, the land of the free. In the home of the grave, I'm not a prisoner. That's the same thing the Jews thought. We have Abraham for our father. You call us slaves, we're free men. Every man apart from Christ is a slave. That's right. That's right. He said, you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. You're a prisoner, either in bondage that will lead to death in your sin or freedom in Christ. Join to him to gladly serve and follow this king. He doesn't rule us necessarily with a rod of iron. He rules us with love and mercy. And because he's been so good to us, our hearts ought to overflow with any opportunity we have to serve this king. He's a good king. He's a kind king, a compassionate king, a loving king. But my friends, he will come back as the ruling and reigning judging king, a holy king, a righteous king that cannot look at sin. And while he offers today the opportunity to be set free, there will come a time where he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. There is a final judgment. Beware of men that stand in pulpits and won't warn you of sin and hell and judgment to come. That's what Paul preached. He had one opportunity to preach while in Rome. And as he stood before man, he didn't talk about love and grace, second chances. He talked about sin and judgment to come. Woe to me and woe to anyone that will stand in a pulpit and not warn you of the consequences of rejecting this king. Yes. Today is the, south, the day of salvation. The Bible says, pardon not your heart. You have an opportunity to know this king today personally. He invites you to be a part of his kingdom. He invites you to dine at his table. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And so many times people say, I'm not worthy of that. No, you're not. 
you'll never be worthy. But because of Christ, because he is worthy, he has given an opportunity, he's given us a glorious reminder of what he did. As we take this supper in a few moments, we will reflect on the fact that he did shed his blood. He did give his body willingly for you and I. What a price that he paid. Many of our church members went and saw uh, a play at Landmark last night. Talked about the crucifixion of Christ and seeing that depiction. And they spoke about how moving that that was to see it and to watch as that was portrayed before their eyes. I pray this morning that through the Holy Spirit you can get a glimpse of not just what Jesus did physically, but the great love that he had for you. And that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. All the sin that you ever committed, all the mocking, all the rejection, all the times that you didn't have anything to do with him, all the times that you were too busy for him, all the times that he called to you and you said, not now, and yet he still calls and he still loves and he still offers forgiveness. What greater love has no man than this? A man would lay down his life for his friends. He laid down his life willingly as they mocked him spit on him, the crown of thorns on his head. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Everything about Jesus spoke of humility. It spoke of love. It spoke of mercy. But make no mistake, he won't come a second time as that meek and lowly Jesus. He will come as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come as the conquering king. Because my friend, the king is coming. He came into the world 2,000 years ago. And we live now in that age of grace. We live now in a time where Jesus is beckoning and the Spirit is moving. And the Word of God implores, come and take of the water of life freely. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, you can come and bow before Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. Lord, change my life. I have failed you. I have sinned against you. But I heard this morning from the Word of God that you laid down your life for sinners like me. And that you died for the nations and you shed your blood for all people. And so that means that I'm not excluded. You may feel unworthy this morning. You may think that Jesus died for everybody, but not you. And that's a lie. The word of God says that he gave his life that whosoever will may come. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No man is excluded except by their own unbelief. It will be your unbelief that ultimately shuts the door to eternal life. If you hear his voice today, my friends, you can respond in faith. It's not a magic prayer that you say. It's simply humble repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you continue to turn him away, the day will come when you leave this life. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment you will stand before a holy God and be judged for your sins because they weren't paid for on Calvary when they could have been if you would have received that gift. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. We're going to give a heaven invitation and we'll take the supper afterwards. But my friends, if you need to pray this morning, if there's sin in your life that you need to confess, do so. But most of all, if you're lost and you don't know this Jesus, would you come this morning? Simply say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you to save me and forgive me. Change my heart and make me a new creature like Pastor talked about. And he can do that for you today.